Swain Event, SwainEvent.com, fueled by Dead End Barbecue, top 100 barbecue restaurant in America. It is a beautiful Thursday morning, May the 11th. Weird start to the show, weird intro, because we don't have the normal intro. Why? Because technology is being weird this morning. But we do have my guy, Ben McKee. I'm Jason Swain. Oh, Ben, we got some things to discuss this morning, my friend. Ooh, we got some things to discuss. How are mm-hmm. you? I, I, I'm good. Technology obviously trying to prevent us from talking about these things. Mm-hmm. I, I, I guess the, the, the Swain event is truly back now. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, uh, man. <laughs> I'll I tell, tell you what, man. Every time that I see, like, little technical stuff on, like, ESPN, like, I watch ESPN, and, uh, you know, when there's something going on there on Cumulus, I'm like, huh, okay. I feel a whole lot better about little stuff happening here and there. Um here in the in the Swain Event Studio, so no no intro because basically the computers just said you know what I don't feel like it today, so we'll have to handle that when when the show is over. But everything's used to sleeping in. I guess so, man. I guess it's used to sleeping in, but it's all good, man, because it's not going to stop us from doing doing a show, and it's not going to stop us from getting to what we got to get to, my friend. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Dude, I'm ready to get into it, man. I'm ready to get into it. Um, Let's do it. Ben, um, not a big surprise that Tennessee, Tennessee's freshman five-star player, Julian Phillips, into the portal. We know the intent from the end of the season with, with Phillips. Ben, you cover Tennessee baseball, basketball. I'm going to let you lay down a the 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 groundwork the framework of what's happening and how did we get here with julian phillips entering the portal well it's actually quite simple swain as you know uh he as you mentioned is a former five star was a five star when he signed with tennessee uh chose tennessee over auburn after he asked out of his N L I. Have you found yourself having to slow down when you say N L I now? 100%. National letter of intent because of NIL? 100%. 100%. I, I, I think we need to, to change the verbiage uh, of N L I. Uh, we got to change the, the word that we refer uh, to N L I with, <laughs> in my opinion. But um, when he asked out of his N L I at LSU after Will Wade was fired, obviously picked Tennessee over Auburn. And as is the case with any five-star that has ever existed, uh, football, three and done. Uh, baseball, we don't have five stars in, in the world of college baseball, but the high-level recruits that could be drafted out of high school, the ones who elect to go to college, the Chase Burns of the world, it's three and done. Mm-hmm. That That's the goal from the moment you sign in, in the world of college basketball if if you don't nowadays sign with the G League elite team or uh, go a, a different professional route that that isn't quite the NBA but allows you to get around that one year of college basketball while still getting paid, uh, the the guys who who do end up in the college basketball uh, like Julian Phillips, their goal is one and done from from the jump because they have been elite prospects from the time that. I mean, as young as they can probably remember, most of them, not not all of them, but a lot of these guys have been famous, if you want to 
use that word, famous in the, the world of basketball, uh, preps basketball coming up for, for long before they arrive at college. So uh, they've obviously had a lot of people in their ears and uh, have rightfully, because they perform well throughout high school, uh, have ha- have heard a lot of conversation about their names and, and being in future mock drafts and, and this and that, one and done. So uh, I, I think rightfully so, Julian Phillips and his camp, it, it's always been one and done. Uh, yep. And, and they, they should have that mindset. They absolutely should have that mindset. Uh, Julian has uh, a natural gift when it comes to the game of basketball. Uh, but I don't. I also don't think that his freshman season, uh, for various reasons, played out the way that he, he wanted it to. I mean, he mentioned that in the locker room right after they lost to FAU in the Sweet 16. Uh, he was banged up. Uh, and and then didn't really play well after coming back from his injury. Uh, so a, a lot of different reasons. Maybe Tennessee is is to blame a little bit as well in terms of why it didn't click for Julian Phillips. Uh, but point being, his five star freshman season, one year of college basketball, didn't go according to plan. Uh, it it just wasn't what I think everybody thought that it would be. And in my opinion. I don't believe that he is the draft prospect on May 11th that we or they thought he was on Halloween, October 31st, right before the season started. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's that simple. That, that's a long-winded way of saying it's always been the goal for Julian Phillips and, and his family and his camp to to get to the professional level uh, as quickly as possible, just like it was with Jaden Springer, just like it was with Kennedy Chandler, just like it probably was with, with Keon Johnson. Like the, this is this is the the story the the storyline with five stars that they expect to to spend one year in college and and go off to the NBA and I think Julian Phillips is is that next guy whether it's the right decision or not is a different conversation uh, but that was the thought process and and I still ultimately believe that that is the route that he is going to go uh, he he was the only four of the balls that are technically in the NBA draft that entered the draft come on. Urosh, Josiah, and himself. Uh, Julian is the only one who received an invite to the NBA Combine. I don't think that that's any coincidence. Speaks to his natural talent uh, and, and a skill set that NBA people still believe can translate to the next level. So I, I still think the absolute goal is to to get to the professional level, uh, the NBA to, to be exact. And then just because college basketball is quirky nowadays, and the, these deadlines are, are well through throughout the summer in terms of the NBA. I think they have till May 31st to, to pull their name out. There's obviously no roster spots open in Tennessee. So if for some reason the NBA doesn't work out in their mind, then this is just another option. This is just simply keeping their options open, just like the the same way it is for Olivier Cumwa. I think a lot of people were surprised when Olivier entered his name in the transfer portal. Uh, but that was at the request of his dad just to simply have a backup plan. Uh, but the goal all along for all of these guys, Josiah, Julian, Olivier, is to to get to the NBA, to go play professional basketball next season. And uh, for Julian and Olivier, entering the portal just keeps your options open, all of your options open in this weird, weird world of college basketball nowadays because you never know if uh, somebody's going to come drop you off a NIL bag, as we know. Perfectly laid out, Ben. So when this when this news dropped yesterday that he was entering the portal, Julia Phillips, let me go 
and moonwalk a little bit and go back to the beginning of the season, when I saw Julian Phillips ball out at the, was at the Battle of Atlantis in Tennessee, was able to go out and, and win that whole deal, I, I thought we had ourselves someone that could have a better freshman season than the five-star the previous year in Kennedy Chandler. I feel like Julian Phillips was on his way. And then for whatever reason, it just didn't happen. Now, I have my own theories of why it didn't happen. You have the injury. Um, I was a little surprised he didn't come back sooner, uh, quite frankly. And when he was out there playing, I was wondering, why why is he playing so timid? Why is he not playing with confidence? He has the ability to get to the rim. Why is he not doing it more? Does he not know he's a five-star player, a potential NBA player? Where's that confidence? For the reason, he didn't have that killer mentality like he did early in the season. Still really, really good on defense. One of our best athletes, if not the best athlete on the team. But for whatever reason, it didn't work out the way he thought it was going to work out. His camp thought it was going to work out the freshman year. And that happens. That doesn't mean that the marathon stops. The marathon continues. The goals are still the goals. And he still can reach those goals. It just may take a different path. And that's and that's okay. When this came out, Ben, all I saw on the front end was Barnes. It got to be Barnes' fault. It got to be somebody's fault that this dude ain't Kennedy Chandler. Well, let's just point the finger at Barnes. Let's point the finger at somebody. It was Barnes' fault. And listen. I'm not someone that's going to sit here and pretend like Barnes, Rick Barnes has been perfect during his time in Tennessee uh, with decision-making. No coach is perfect with decision-making. But the fact of the matter is Rick Barnes is a future Hall of Famer. Rick Barnes has made Tennessee basketball better than it was when he got here. Tennessee basketball is a top 15 program uh, in the country consistently because of Rick Barnes. So I don't think Rick Barnes is is perfect by by uh, by any means, but like this notion that it's just all Rick Barnes' fault that that Julian Phillips didn't do what he's supposed to do is, is crazy to me. And the early polls for 2014 had Tennessee at like 17, with the new additions from the transfer portal. Tennessee was like seven; they jumped like ten spots. Why? Because the roster has the potential to be better. And that's, and ain't that what we want? Ain't that all we care about is this team being better than they were last year? If that includes Julian Phillips or if it does not include Julian Phillips. I don't really care as a Tennessee fan. I just want to win more than we did before. And so the coach staff went out and seek guys that can shoot the ball from the outside, that can create their own shot off the dribble, that can still play defense, that's long, athletic, so that way your defensive profile does not change at all. But this notion that Rick Barnes just doesn't know what to do with five stars during his time with Tennessee is crazy to me because he's had six five stars, if I'm not, if I'm not, if I'm counting this correctly. In 2019, Josiah Jordan James was his first. In 2020, it was Ke- Keon Johnson and Jaden Springer. And this was the year of COVID. COVID. So you get 
two freshmen coming in. It's COVID where everybody is affected by COVID. And Keon Johnson goes out. He's posterizing folks. He's playing lights out. We see the weaknesses in his game. Still had to work on ball handling, the jump shot. But, hey, he can work on those while he's getting paid in the NBA. He wanted to come back, Ben. He loved Tennessee. Wanted to come back. And from when I hear, Rick was like, hey, man, as much as I want you back, you can't come back. Like, this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. You got to go. probably going into the, the top 15. You got to go. <laughs> yeah, you got you to gotta go. So, Keon goes. Jaden Springer, not the same story. but He was gone from the moment he stepped foot on campus. <laughs> exactly. He was, His mind was made up. I'm here for one year. I'm about to go. And that's cool. Go ahead and go. But those guys had a pretty good freshman year. And if they would have came back for their second year, I'm pretty sure they would have been a whole lot better. And then in 21, who'd you bring in, five-star? Brandon Huntley Hatfield, who reclassified, who was a year younger, two years younger than everyone else who typically comes in as a freshman. And he just wasn't ready mentally at the beginning. He had some good games here and there, but he transferred. Why did he transfer? Because he wanted to play in the perimeter. For some reason, word is he wanted to be like Kevin Durant on the outside in college. That was not a Rick Barnes issue. Okay, I'll move on. Simply put, that was not a Rick Barnes issue. 2021, Kenny Chandler is the other five-star. Kenny Chandler, did he start off great? No. He was was pretty damn good. I mean, he started the season. I don't think he missed a shot for like two or three games. He was balling. And then he hit a little slump. What happened? How did he break out? It was the conversation with TJ Ford. TJ Ford. It's what allowed Kennedy Chandler to break through the glass ceiling. And then boom, he's great. And then 2022, Julian Phillips. So six five stars. And Josiah and George James stayed more than one year. Outside of that, that's it. No, hard and, and and for Kennedy Chandler, I know that he wasn't a first round pick like a Keon Johnson or a a Jaden Springer. I, I think Kennedy is is just as good of a basketball player as as those two. Um, but Kennedy, his, I think his size hurt him in the draft, yeah. and his inability to to prove that he was a consistent shooter and, and could knock down shots from the perimeter is why he went in the in the second round needing to prove that he has a jump shot and his lack of size mm-hmm. but he was also i, I don't re- remember the exact ver- verbiage swain maybe you can recall better than me but but like the grizzlies gave him what the the highest guaranteed second round contract ever or so, something along those lines he got paid he got he, like, got, he, he got, got paid seriously played yes yes and I know the Grizzlies ended up cutting him, but it's not because the Grizzlies wanted to cut him. It's because Steven Adams was out for the year. Brandon Clark was out for the year. And in order for Kenneth Lofton Jr. to be eligible to play in the playoffs, they had to sign him to some different contract than he was on. He was on a two-way. I guess that doesn't allow you to play in the playoffs or something along those lines. So the Grizzlies did not want to cut Kennedy Chandler. It was a, a roster situation because of injuries where they had to have a, another big man. And unfortunately, Kennedy got the short end of the stick 
but the reason I mentioned that is because, yeah, Kennedy didn't go in the first round, but an NBA team felt confident enough in his game and, and how he developed in his one year at Tennessee under Rick Barnes to give him a lot of guaranteed money as a second round pick and as a late second round pick. And, and they were very, very confident in his game. So to, to say that Kennedy Chandler got worse or it didn't work out is just absolutely wrong because Kennedy Chandler got absolutely better as the season progressed. You mentioned his conversation with TJ Ford. And, and from that moment, after that Texas loss in Austin, that ugly basketball game where Tennessee couldn't score for the majority of it and then made that late run, he was just one of the – I mean, he was one of the best freshmen in the country. He was awesome on defense. He picked it up as a scorer. Like, it worked out for Kennedy Chandler. I, I think there's there's one that didn't work out, uh, the Brandon Huntley-Hatfield one. But, again, like I said, I, I don't put that one on Rick. Uh, I, I really don't. And And then the Julian Phillips one – I think it's fair to say in hindsight that it probably didn't work out because uh, you, you didn't necessarily get five-star production. And not that you even needed five-star production because I, I do think that can be a little of a simplistic conversation at times, too much of a simplistic conversation. I, I don't think that's a black or white conversation. Like there's there's gray area in the middle as well in, in terms of just because he's a five-star doesn't mean that he's going to, perform like Zion Williamson or, or Carmelo Anthony or, or Derrick Rose. Right. Like the, just, just because you're five-star doesn't mean that you're going to be Anthony Davis. Like you can still be a, a really good college basketball player. If you're a five-star and if you're not a, a one and done. So uh, I, I, I'm, I'm not an offensive basketball genius. I can't sit here and uh, correctly say whether or not he was being misused in, in the offensive system. Swain, you, you played, basketball at a higher level than I did maybe, maybe you can speak to it better than I can um but I I do think that the, the there's like two conversations out there that Julian Phillips sucked and I think that's an incorrect conversation Correct. I, I I think that he was uh hampered by injuries more than people realize uh, a hip flexor is is no joke that that is very difficult to, to play with in, in any sport. And then obviously he is somebody who would have benefited from another year in the weight room with Garrett Medinwald. So he, as a freshman and kind of as scrawny as he was uh, like it, it, he, he, he wasn't ready to, to handle that both physically and mentally because he was still young. So the, the crowd that says Julian Phillips just sucks. I, I think they're completely wrong, but I also think the crowd that says, Rick Barnes just wasted a, another five star. I think they're completely wrong as well because, uh, I, again, like I just laid out, like I, I don't think that that Julian's performance was all simply based on whether or not Rick was use, using him correctly or not, or uh, Julian was was just sitting out more games than he should have been because he got hurt. Like I, I just I think he was a freshman in college and, and he needs more years to develop. But because of his background, being a five star, being a McDonald's All-American, those those natural skill sets, his athleticism, his length, uh, his ability to to defend. Uh, and I actually think that he has a better jump shot than he showed this year. His form looks fine. I just don't think the ball really went in, and I, I thought that was more confidence th than anything. Not that he's going to be Steph Curry or something, but I, I don't think his jump shot was as broke as as the numbers say that it is. So I, I don't really think either side messed up. 
Honestly, Swain. Well, he was banged up. Could have, could he have uh, handled that better? Yeah, I mean, when you're a freshman, there's a lot of things you could have handled better. Should he been more aggressive? I, I believe so. I mean, he was the best free throw shooter on our team. Like he's shooting like eighty percent from the free throw line for for most of the year. So to your point about his jump shot, he has a nice stroke. We can see that from the free throw line. You can't sit here and say that, oh, Rick Barnes didn't use Julian Phillips properly. You have an opportunity to take your man off the dribble in this offense because I've seen Jakar Ziegler be able to do it. I've seen Jamon Bayshak do it. Those guys take guys off the dribble within the framework of the offense, and if they fail to finish at the rim, the ball just doesn't go in. They're not taken out of the game. I don't see that. I feel like Julian should have been a little bit more aggressive, and for whatever reason, he just he just wasn't. And and, and it Rick happened. said multiple Rick said multiple times throughout the year that they wanted him to be more aggressive in the way that you're describing. They wanted him to attack the basket more. And there in the second half of the season, I don't think that he trusted himself coming back from that injury yeah, uh, because he, he, he did try to play through that pain, and I don't think it went all that well. So I, I think that's kind of what led to his confidence spiraling out of control. And, and eventually, I mean, he just came a, became a, a guy that go grab an offensive rebound and, and put it back in. And, and he's a better basketball player than simply that. I, I just kind of think the, the injury – uh, derailed him because like you said earlier he was playing terrific basketball for the first really up until conference play and it's not like he, he was playing good basketball because they were playing East Tennessee State every game and they, they were playing some some really good um, opponents as Rick Barnes does every year with his teams I mean in the Bahamas he was arguably Tennessee's best player uh, and and you you could probably say that it's not arguable. I mean, he was awesome on, on both ends of the floor. And I know scouts that were in attendance, teams that were in attendance, were absolutely raving about Julian and his ability to to be aggressive on offense and then get down on the other end of the floor and play really good defense and, and rebound the basketball. And that was more of the Julian Phillips that is actually him. That 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 is a, a better description of, of what Julian Phillips is as a basketball player than the one we saw in SEC play. Why did it turn out that way in SEC play? I don't know. Let me ask but you a question. It, it did. Let me ask you a question. Who are some of your best basketball coaches in the last 5, 10, 15, 20 years in college basketball? Uh, I'd go Tom Izzo. Izzo. Jay Wright. Jay Wright. Uh, and 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 I'm when you ask me that question, I'm I'm talking about guys that I think check all the boxes. Yeah, keep going. They're not they're not just the recruiter. Mm-hmm. They 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 get talent in. They develop talent, and they're they're known to 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 be a good X's and O's coach, a, a good coach on the sideline in game. So that's why Tom Izzo and and Jay Wright. Uh, come to mind Mark Few at Gonzaga I, mm-hmm. I think is a terrific coach mm-hmm. um was it Scott Drew at Baylor mm-hmm. um is is really really good in my opinion I, I get the Drew brothers all mixed up or is that Bryce Drew um yeah. 
Yeah, Scott's a bagler. Yes, the, I'm. I'm sure I'm missing some folks off the top of my head. Uh, I, I think Nate Oates is is really good. As much as I hate to 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 say it. Okay, you're naming current coaches. What about what about the last ten years? I mean, well, I, I should have led off with uh, Bill Self at Kansas. He's arguably the best yeah. basketball coach of, of all time. Bill Self. Mm-hmm. There's been Coach K. There's been Roy Williams. There, I mean, there's been uh, countless countless coaches. I, I think now uh, Dan Hurley. Uh, at, at UConn is has really solidified himself as one of the best coaches in in the country. I I think Rick Barnes is X's and O's wise is one of the better coaches in the country for sure. You forgot maybe one. not tier one, but certainly tier two. You forgot a coach, Ben. I'm I'm sure I did. How about Coach K? <laughs> I said Coach K. Yeah, co- co- Coach K. So. In the in the, his last two years before he retired, Coach K signed seven five stars. Seven, and I'm gonna name seven, and one is gonna stick out probably more than the others. Starting 2020, Mark Williams, big tall guy, he was good. DJ Stewart, 2020. Also in 20, Jeremy Roach. We saw him this year in the tournament. They're guard. Referees are doing everything they power to keep him in the game. <laughs> they want him to fall out. Good player. Also, Jalen Johnson. Four or five stars in that class. The 21 class. Trevor Keels. AJ Griffin. And you're probably going to know this name. Paulo Bancaro. He's kind of good. But, like, out of all those five stars, one was, like, Carmelo or Anthony Davis or Derrick Rose or, you know, that freshman phenom. And if I go and look at the top 25 recruits in last year's class, the top 25 recruits in last year's class, only one guy really stands out out of all the five stars. And there's some really, really good ones. Don't get me wrong. Really good ones. Guys that we have played against. But the number one player, according to 247, in last year's class, was Nick Smith, Arkansas. Dude, was good. Got hurt. Came back. Did his thing. Julian Phillips was on that list. Big time baller. Number two was Derek Lively. We played against him in the tournament. What did he do? Not a lot. I think he was banged up, though, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, he was banged up, all right. (laughs) Yeah, he he got banged up. So, Nick Smith, Nick Smith was number one. Derek Lively was number two, Duke. Derek Whitehead was number three. Remember him? Shooting jump shots from the corner. Kyle, He's the one that didn't play against Tennessee, right? I thought... I thought It was him or Mitchell. I can't remember which one. I, yeah, I think it was Mitchell. Whitehead was hitting threes in the corner. Yeah, you're right. Kyle Flipowski. We know he got banged up, too. Well, he definitely got banged up. And then, Kaysen Wallace. Those are your top five players in the country last year. Five stars. 
Number six, G.G. Jackson, South Carolina. The sixth overall player, according to 247 Sports, five-star South Carolina. Number one in his position at power forward. Did he look like a five-star all season long? No. Okay. He uh, did not have a, a five-star impact. Now, can I say Georgia Baylor? Yeah, he did look like a five-star. <laughs> he, he was special. Here's my point. Julian Fields was ranked 19th. Okay. Brandon Miller was ranked 14th. Out of literally the top 25, because they only picked 25 five stars, 247. He throwing Grady Dick, Kansas. He's ranked 21st. Grady Dick and Brandon Miller, according to fans' expectations of five stars, were the only two guys who lived up to their rankings. Yeah, and I don't even think Grady Dick was that good. I mean, I think he was awesome as a freshman, but I I don't even think he was necessarily like a a Brandon Miller level. No, no, because he was like a step below. Again, fan expectations when it comes to five star means you come in and like you you the dude like it shows that you're a five star. You can't deny it. They expect Brandon Brandon Miller performance. They do. But my point in sharing this is that does that that's not to knock the other twenty four guys or twenty three guys who were five stars. Because you improve your most when you're freshman to your sophomore year. Some of these guys are going to take off this next year or the year after that and still be first-round players. They're going to be good players at the next level at the NBA. When you look at these evals on these five stars, they're saying that these, these are going to be first-round guys. These are going to be NBA guys. And that's pretty dang good. Like Anthony Black, the point guard from Arkansas last year, was pretty dang good. He was 15th. Pretty dang good. So, like, I think expectations sometimes the five stars do, they get, they're they're so overblown. They're so overblown, man. Not sometimes, every time they're overblown. They really are. And sometimes. Fans expect Paulo Boncaro, Zion, uh, Brandon. I think Brandon Miller is the, the best example because he's the most recent yeah. freshman phenom like folks expect those type of seasons and we know how recruiting works we're all smarter than than to expect that is it is it disappointing when a five-star doesn't really work out absolutely um, because even if a, a five-star isn't playing like those guys that I just mentioned they can still be productive in in other ways, like several other guys that that you you read off. Like although they weren't freshman phenoms, they were still really really good as freshmen and, and helped their team win. Uh, kind of like you saw with Kennedy Chandler. Like I, I don't I don't view Kennedy Chandler as a five star bust. I'm sorry. I no, don't. I don't. I don't either. But let me add one more thing. Casey Wallace, you can tell he was a five star too. Yes. Like he just you, has a, a weird back injury. Yeah, you can you can tell he was different. Like you can tell he was a a better freshman than most. So I, yes. I, I want I want to add that. And you can tell why Tennessee and Rick Barnes really yeah, desperately sure. wanted him. Oh, for sure, for um, sure. But yeah, I, I just the, the narrative around Tennessee basketball and Rick Barnes right now 
is annoying as he double hockey sticks. I, I I resent the feeling of it's probably a minority of fans in the Tennessee fan base, but it's probably a small percentage. But I do think that small percentage is probably larger than it should be, if that makes sense, in terms of how folks feel about the basketball program and how folks feel about Rick Barnes. And not saying that you shouldn't want more in the postseason. You absolutely should, because I think at a place like Tennessee, in every sport, you have the resources to have a ton of success in in the postseason. Swain, you know I've hammered that home for for years now. Mm -hmm. Tennessee being a place where every sport has the resources to go have success at the highest level and win championships. Mm -hmm. So it's fair to want more. But to act like, I mean, Rick Barnes is is treated by some as if he's Butch Jones or or Jeremy Pruitt. And it's like, what are you people watching? What are you people watching? He just lost his starting point guard to a torn ACL and took the team to the Sweet 16. After beating down Duke, who was as hot as anybody going into the tournament, to get to the Sweet 16. And honestly... The, the way that Tennessee lost to FAU kind of reshaped my opinion on whether the tournament was a success or not. I, I think the way that they lost to FAU and then Rick Barnes getting up on the podium and, and saying that he didn't really feel like the guys were locked in enough, that kind of changed my perception of, of the postseason because I, I don't understand how that is a talking point. Not that I'm blaming Rick Barnes, um, for solely making that comment after a game, but like I'm, I'm blaming the, the program as a whole, like as the players, how, how is your coach saying that about you after a sweet 16 basketball game in Madison square garden? And as a coaching staff, like it's still your job to make sure your guys are ready to go from the jump. And they weren't. And, and, it, and it blows my mind and is very frustrating in my opinion, that that could be a thing in the sweet 16 in Madison square garden. For me, it kind of wiped away all the the feel good feelings from beating Duke and getting to the Sweet 16 by the way they lost to FAU. So I'm not sitting here trying to be a Rick Barnes homer when I say these things, but the the conversation surrounding Rick is just baffling to me. I mean, he's had as much success as any coach in program history and, and folks for some reason they they don't have anything to really say about the 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 Grant and Admiral era, but this this era that is kind of on its way out the door, Santi's still going to be around, but the Josiah, Olivier, Urosh, this era, like they accomplished as much as Grant and Admiral did. Mm. Like they, they won the SEC tournament for the first time in 43 years. Grant and Admiral won the SEC regular season championship. Both of them made it to the Sweet 16. Both of them probably should have gone further than they actually did. So the, it, it's just emotionally draining, Swain, th- this conversation. And I think a lot of it is just really, really unfair. Somebody in my mentions yesterday was saying, criticizing Rick Barnes for allowing all of this talent to walk out the door this offseason and not bring any talent in. And I'm like, do you, do you not see the, the additions that they have made? That They made three nice transfer additions. I think Dalton Connect is going to be a, a big-time transfer addition. And Jordan Ganey, uh, the, the Harvard transfer, we'll, we'll see. Chris Ledlam, we'll, we'll see kind of how they pan out. I, I think that they can be really, really nice depth pieces for Tennessee, really 
like a sixth man, sixth man, or sixth man, seventh man, which you need as a basketball team in order to be good. But people are also forgetting that Freddie DeLeon, J.P. Estrella, Cameron Carr, they're three of the best players in the country coming out of high school this past season. And, like, all three of them are bucket getters, which is what Tennessee needed. Rick Barnes addressed what this team needed, what they needed to, to change. He, he has said multiple times since the season ended that they needed to, to become more athletic and they needed to, to shoot the basketball better. And he has gone out and gotten guys, like you said earlier, Swain, through the portal and through the high school ranks that can score the basketball better than the guys that they have had. So I, I just don't understand this, this negative perception. Again, it is okay to want more in the postseason. You should want more. And quite frankly, like they should have won more to, to this point. Uh, but just because they haven't doesn't mean that it's, it's been a, a complete failure and Rick Barnes needs to go. And, and every decision Rick Barnes makes is a bad one. That, that's just not true at all. Um, this is not the first time Rick Barnes has addressed issues immediately after a season. The 2020 season, it was Keon Johnson's and Jaden Springer's freshman year. And this this team couldn't shoot from the outside. You saw college basketball change. You saw Alabama's and the Auburn's put emphasis on on, on the three point shot, especially Nate Oates with the analytics saying, "Hey, we would rather shoot threes than long twos. We'd rather shoot threes than twos. Period. Unless it's layups. We want free throws, layups, and threes." And after that twenty season, getting beat down in, by Oregon State, the first round tournament again. It was the COVID year. Rick said, you know what, we, we gotta we gotta get to this portal. We gotta we gotta get better shooting. And that's what Rick did. He brought in better shooting from the outside. And then you went on, you won SEC uh tournament championship. And this season, although Tennessee had the best defense in the country for the majority of the season, and offensively you sputtered after your first um or 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 I guess second action inside of an offense or maybe third action when the play broke down and you need someone to take a guy off the dribble and create offense, you couldn't really do that for real. And so what did Rick go and do again in the portal? He go dress, he went to address those needs that was a weakness from the previous season. The shooting. He got more guys that can shoot. He got more guys that can create off the off the bounce and get to the rim. So blame Rick for not addressing a, a, a weakness or not addressing an issue and going out there and, and having the same dudes. Like, people used to rip on Jerry Gantano all the time at quarterback. And I sit here to defend him that he was a good quarterback, but I will say, damn, Jeremy Pruitt sure didn't replace him. Bring somebody else that's, that's better in. Go get a transfer. Go find a high school quarterback. The high school quarterback he brought in that was supposed to replace Jerry Gantano was Harrison Bailey. So it's the coach's job to put guys on the on the field or the court they can go win. And Rick saw a weakness and said, all right, let me go fix it. Let me go fix it. And in the process of doing that, you had a hometown player and B.J. Edwards that was basically squeezed out. Think about that. B.J. Edwards plays a Catholic, had offers everywhere, 
picked Tennessee. He's a hometown guy. He just completed his freshman year. But in addressing issues, BJ was the odd man left out. So there is a priority in winning and addressing the issues. Because you would love to have someone right here from Knoxville to continue to be on the roster and play, especially after his freshman year. Like, imagine getting squeezed out after one year. One year. And football, that would be crazy. You're giving more time to develop. You're giving more time to improve. Not right, not in this case. That's how much Rick addressed the roster. So now BJ Edwards has to move and find somewhere else to play. So, all right, let me get to the phones. Good morning. Who do we have with us? Hello? Hello? Oh, here we go. Here we go. Hey. Hey, Turkey Man. Hey, buddy. Hey, uh, I was going to try to get in there on that conversation you guys talking about. You know, over the last uh, uh, maybe five or six years in particular, we've watched uh, probably the two coaches that's handled more five stars than anybody I know. And that would be Nick Saban at, at Alabama and, uh, uh, oh, what's his face up there in Kentucky? Oh, uh, Calipari. Yeah. And we, face? if you want to talk about mishandling uh, five stars, yeah, they got a whole bunch of five stars. But look how many five stars that they didn't develop that left the program or caused the. Uh, maybe a uh, uh, looks like it, it's going all the heck in a handbasket for Cal Perry, and we don't know about Nick what he's got going on there. But there's, they got their problems. What I'm trying to say, but they've also mishandled five stars when they should uh, have more experience with five stars. But uh, I was thinking about that. I guess I guess what me as a ball fan, if I'm going to have a uh, a problem. I look at the dumpster bar at Kentucky, and we should just—I mean—be dries out, and we didn't. Those those games like that frustrates me more than a lot of other things that you guys have talked about. Is when you got a game, you need to take care of the business. You know that you're talented with them, or you're up with them. Uh, I think it's coach's responsibility to really, you know, make sure because. There's the heartbeat of the team. They they're there with the heartbeat of the team, and uh, I guess that would be my frustration. In anything, of course, that goes with anything. We all seen that over the years. Uh, our team uh, should have won, would have, should have, and didn't. But uh, that's just being a fan part. But as far as as what Rick has done with what he's had, but I think coaching, he's 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 developed. Uh, in places that other coaches with a lot of firestorm, I don't. I really like to know what the what the the interception percentage would be on them uh, as as coach uh, as coaching five stars and and the failing of are they left and now with the uh, this new uh, phone booth you can get in and call 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 uh, somebody else up uh, and transfer. Third man, you losing me? <laughs> no. You, you just ain't heard me in a while. I'm just saying they got this 
transfer portal, this phone booth. They get in that thing and go anywhere they want to go. Yep. It caused a lot of problems for these coaches that have sat around with all these five stars. And there's one before I get off here, because I ain't got to talk to you in a long time, uh, is down there in uh, Georgia. We have not got to see exactly how he's going to handle it when he has to deal with some of this stuff that uh, the Nick Sabans of the world has dealt with. So hey, we'll see. I think our coaches are handling it pretty good. Uh, I'm going to ask Ben, uh, good, good talk to you, Ben, or, or hear you, brother. But uh, uh our baseball, we are we gonna are we gonna make it this year? We're gonna get together and and, and make the tournament and and uh, and go to the World Series. Make the tournament, yes, and it's good to hear from you as well, Turkey Man. I hope you have an awesome Thursday and an awesome weekend. Uh, make the tournament, absolutely. That they are already in the tournament. It's just a matter of where they're going to begin the tournament. Probably not going to host after losing the Georgia. Uh, it, it it's not completely a foregone complete conclusion that they that they won't host. Uh, they they would just need to go on a run here. Uh, they they need to win this weekend against a really good Kentucky team, and they need to win uh, next weekend at a very good South Carolina team, but a very good South Carolina team that is really really banged up. Uh, so if they can find a way to win these next two weekends uh, against top 10, top 15 teams and then win a game or two in Hoover, then they, they probably will host because their SEC record will be what it needs to be. And, and uh, the, the RPI is already really good because they play uh, a, a tough schedule. Um, but they, they got to figure out uh, a way to go on a, a run here. There, there's some matchup things with this Kentucky series this weekend. That's, that worries me, um, but but that's a separate conversation. I, I wanted to throw another point at you about basketball, Swain, mm-hmm. uh, and, and kind of this narrative about Rick Barnes and, and the Tennessee basketball program. Uh, you and I dispelled the the notion that Rick Barnes wastes five star five stars. Um, and that's, that's, that's I, I think there are fair things to to criticize about Rick Barnes. I'm not up here trying to to carry water for him. I, I just think that there's a, a a small percentage of the fan base that is a little bit bigger than it should be that just can't stand him. And I, I just I just think it's insane to feel that way about Rick Barnes and, and to criticize every little thing that he does. Mm-hmm. I, I think, honestly, coaching-wise, just purely coaching and developing players for the most part, I think Rick Barnes has has done an A-plus job in both those departments uh, mm-hmm. with, with the roster each year. Where I fought him, and I've said this in the past, I fought him more for the roster construction than the actual coaching he does in games and on the floor. I I think there's been some questionable takes at premium positions the the last couple of years, and I I guess every position. Post players. Well, and point guards. I mean, the point guard situation has not been good the last two years. And I say point guard situation. I know Tennessee has had Zakai Ziegler, but you need a backup point guard as well in in the sport of basketball. You have to have one uh, because if something like uh, Zakai Ziegler tears his ACL, then your team's going to be in a, a really rough spot. Uh, the the roster construction is is kind of what has been confusing for me. The, the inconsistency at, at post play, like you just mentioned, Swain, uh, and, and then I think taking some some local players in, in the recent years uh, or 
even players in general that are probably too developmental of a player that need more time to develop than where Tennessee is at as a program. Fair. Like like Tennessee's not in a situation where they should be taking guys, in my opinion, to where they de- where it looks like they take three to four years to develop. That, that's my opinion. So that's where like I get frustrated with, with Rick Barnes and, and the basketball program. So I'm not carrying water and thinking that he's just doing a an A plus 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 job every single season. But like the other thing that baffles me is is this conversation that transfers come to Tennessee to die. Like what what are we talking about? If anything, if you're going to question Tennessee and Rick Barnes in the transfer portal, it should be that they haven't really utilized it enough. Not not that transfers have come and and not really made an impact. I I think the perception of transfers are also off like the perception of five stars. I I think people think, and this isn't just a basketball thing. It's football, basketball, baseball. I I think a lot of fans think that just because they're adding somebody from the transfer portal, they're getting a transfer. Like this transfer is going to solve all their issues. And in most situations, like the transfer is transferring for a reason. Uh, And and they're not going to solve all the issues. I mean, you have your, your outliers, obviously your, your big time players like a Jameer Gibbs that that is transferring, uh, or or whatnot. But I I think the perception of transfers is wrong. A thinking that they're they're just going to come in and and solve all these issues. And then as it pertains to Tennessee, transfers like Rick hasn't really utilized the transfer portal. I I think the unless I'm forgetting somebody like the the most sought after transfer that he picked up was Justin Powell. And I, I just don't think that that was a good fit for, for Justin Powell at, at the end of the day. I don't, I don't think it was a good, a good marriage for, for either side. Uh, not, not that Justin Powell was some ch- uh, problem child or, or anything, but uh, I, I think he still had some maturing to do. And that can be hard to do mentally in terms of confidence under Rick Barnes because he is very hard on his players. I just don't think that that was a good marriage. But that was also like Justin Powell's, what, fifth year? or fifth school in, in five years, going back to high school, six mm. schools in six years, something pretty crazy like that. I, I think he went to a different high school all four years of high school and then was at Auburn as a true freshman and then was at Tennessee either as a redshirt freshman or a sophomore, whatever he was. So like, I, I think that's also kind of telling uh, about that situation as well. But other than that, like Tyreek Key, I know he was at Indiana State and was a prolific scorer at, at Indiana State. But Tennessee and the SEC is not Indiana State and whatever league Indiana State plays in. Uh, you, you go back and you look at EJ Anasicki. He wasn't playing in the SEC. Uh, James Daniel, a couple of years ago, as a backup point guard to to Jordan Bone, that the year that Tennessee really had its breakout year under Rick Barnes, like he's used the the, the transfer portal more to go get depth pieces and, and to fill in the roster. His, his thought process, and I kind of agree with him and like it, is to to build the foundation of the roster the traditional way through the high school ranks by signing guys, getting your own guys, developing them. And then as holes pop up on your roster, Swain, that's where you fill in with the transfer portal that that's kind of been his method to the portal. So I I don't, I don't understand where this conversation has come in that all these transfers come to Tennessee basketball to die because what, what transfers have they gotten? I, and and I think the transfers that they have gotten expectations have have been too high. Like you, you're 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 not 
you're asking for too much from those individual players. They're not players that are going to come in and be star players in the SEC all of a sudden. Yeah, my biggest thing, my biggest criticism, Greg, in terms of recruiting has been our recruitment of post players, big men. So out of the six five stars Rick has gotten here, one, Brandon Huntley Hatfield, was a big man. And we saw how that played out. Also, his recruitment of big men in the portal. Remember, it was 2019-20 season where Tennessee, and I'm not blaming Rick Barnes for this because, I mean, it's between Florida and Tennessee here. But remember Kerry Blackshear, the transfer from Virginia Tech. How how good he was, and we were unable to get him. So I think Rick Barnes is at a point in his career here at Tennessee, which is a program, that we should be able to attract really quality big men straight from the portal or straight from high school. I don't think we have to take developmental guys like we did at the beginning of his career to build that foundation to then go attract those highly rated big men. We're already there. I compare that to football. Josh Heupel and company put together 11-2 season. So that means it should be easier to recruit and attract better quality players. If Heupel is making a habit of going out recruiting players that won't give you anything until they're juniors and seniors, when you are winning double-digit games in the SEC, something ain't right. You know what I'm saying? So that's my only criticism of, of Rick Barnes when it comes to recruiting in the roster construction. But I'm not going to sit here and blame Rick for everything that happened with Julian Phillips and why Julian Phillips didn't end up being a freshman phenom. Because I think more is, that, is, on, is on Julian. And I've always been a guy that – at first, when things are not going right on the field of the court, the first thing I'll do is look at the players. Because I can coach you up. I can hype you up. I can give you the blueprint. I can tell you, man, if you, you know that other team don't care about you. They're talking about your mama. They say they're going to slap you. They say you're sorry. I can motivate you all I want to. But you got to go out there and do it. You got to play with that fire. Coaches can't put their hand up a player's butt and – work their bodies for them. Like, they're not puppets. Like, coaches can't do that. They're not puppet masters. At the end of the day, the player got to have the heart, got to have the mind to go out there and do it. And so I just, I don't put the all that weight on the coach like most people do just because he's the coach who's getting paid a lot of money. At the end of the day, man, the player's got to go out there, go out there and do it. All right, let's get to the phones. Good morning. Good morning. Um, to Ben's point, you know, you look at the transfer. Wasn't Euros uh, a transfer? He was. Uh, I forgot. Uros, came in, couldn't catch a rebound. Yeah. You're right. And now he's catching I, like five. Euros been here so long, games. I forgot he was a transfer. See? See? That's development in some ways, right? 
Swain, did you happen to read my comment from Tuesday? Only reason why I'm calling. What's the day? Today is Thursday. Did Did you mention me? Did you send it directly to me? I, I sent it in the text box, and y'all said it in the Tuesday show. Y'all probably read all some things. Let me go back. I read your message. Let me, let me go. Let me go back and see this. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Let me go back and see. At nine o four a.m. On Tuesday, May 9th. 9.04. C-Mac. I don't remember being asked about having to wake up at 6 a.m. Mountain Time for this. Welcome back, y'all. Yeah, so let me just say two things. One, we back. (laughs) And two, I still don't remember being asked to wake up so early and participate or to hear, uh, you know, a ball storm screaming, you know, on the phone. Uh, Like, hey, man. We come push this back an hour. Y'all couldn't give me a little 60 minutes. And we starting at eight instead of seven here. Well, we gave you an there. extra hour of sleep. And, and isn't it 7 a.m. when? Oh, I no, guess now it's, it's 7 a.m. You're two hours behind, right? It's, yes, that's correct. Sir. How old are you, C-Mac? <laughs> old enough to know better. No, 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 no. I ain't asked you that. How old are you, sir? Old enough to drink my coffee black. All right, so that means you're old. Listen, man, if you're old enough to drink your coffee black, you're old enough to get your ass up in the morning. Stop complaining Look about here. getting up early. You're grown up now. Get up. Look here. That's fair. <laughs> that's fair. Uh, no, man, I, I'm glad y'all y'all have uh, brought this thing back. Uh, it's a pleasure and an honor to, to be hearing, you know, the married gang of folks and our family, you know, once again. Uh, so, man, y'all keep doing what y'all doing. I appreciate y'all. Love y'all. It's always good to hear from you. Much love, man. Much love. Much love. Good to hear you, C-Mac. C-Mac. Yeah, today's show, I'm sure people listening don't have a problem with no commercials or anything like that, but uh, we've powered through with some of the technical stuff at the beginning, but uh, we're all good. We're all good now, for sure. Um, ben is in his home studio there, and I'm in the Low T Center studio here, my home studio. And Ben, uh, who made it possible for you to be even be in your home studio and be at the place that you are right now? Walk us through that process. My arch nemesis, <laughs> Jennifer Morris. No, I'm I'm kidding. As as much as we love to to poke fun at one another, uh, I, I would not be in this awesome house. My family would not be in this awesome house uh, w- without Jennifer Morris of Keller Williams Realty. Uh, I'm sure everybody is familiar, or most people who are fans of the Swain event are familiar with Jennifer Morris, and I know she's gone on to to help Swain event listeners here and there uh, find a home in, in Knoxville. So uh, I would encourage anybody who's looking to move to Knoxville, anybody in Knoxville looking to to upgrade if if you got a second kid a third kid on the way you need more room i encourage you to reach out to to jennifer uh, with keller williams realty she is very accessible in so many ways and uh, you will not regret going through jennifer uh, to to find a house because she does it the absolute right way uh spends probably too much of her own personal time worrying uh, about your situation and trying to find the the best of the best for you and your family, 
uh, and is is with you through the entire process and uh, is available 24-7. She was for, for my family. Uh, I, I know she's not uh, herself some, some big-time uh, business that has customer service, phone lines, and, and things of that nature, but she, my point is that she has given the best customer service of of anybody I've ever talked to from customer service. And, and that's not even really her job. Her job is to find you a house and she just does it all. She checks all the boxes. So uh, the the experience with Jennifer, it was my first time buying a home and, and she made the process seamless and made it seem really, really easy when I'm, I'm sure it's not, but that's because she took the, the burden off of uh, my wife and I and just made it really, really easy. And has continued to follow up even well after she helped us uh, find a house and, and purchase the house as well. So uh, again, I, I can't emphasize it enough. If, if you're looking for a house in Knoxville or, or looking to move to Knoxville, because why wouldn't you want to move to Knoxville? Forget Nashville. Nashville's overrated. Knoxville and beautiful East Tennessee, that's where you want to be. And, and if you do want to be here and, and you're looking to find somewhere to live, I, I cannot encourage you or recommend Jennifer Morris enough because she is truly truly the best in in so many ways best at her job and best at uh just just being there as, as a friend and, and guiding you through a, a very stressful process ben when you moving to knoxville <laughs> i'm in knoxville <laughs> barely but i'm in knoxville uh, messing with you all right right quick we'll take one more phone call before we wrap up today so uh good morning hey it's middle tennessee rick what's up rick how you guys doing? Man, wonderful, wonderful. Hope you are as well. Yeah, man, I'm enjoying retirement. Oh, man, congratulations. And uh, I still can't sleep, so it doesn't make any difference what time you come home. That, that's right, that's right. It's good to have you. I just you. wanted to holler, holler, holler at Ben and ask him how his little man's doing. Little man is is doing great. Congratulations to you on retirement. It's, it's good to hear from you again, but... Uh, little man is, is doing great, growing like crazy and laughing and smiling. It, it's the best. He's the best. Hey, that's great, man. It'll, it'll go by fast. Take advantage of all of it you can while they're all young. Uh, well, I have a question. planning his one-year birthday party, and it feels like we should not be planning oh, wow. his one-year birthday party. No, like I said, it goes by fast. Uh, I have a question for both of you. What are you guys seeing or hearing on Milton? and our offensive line, and I'll let you go, and I will be talking to you again soon. Sounds good, Rick. Sounds good. Uh, well, Milton's doing his thing. Uh, what that? What is that thing? That's being a leader. He's he's the best version of himself here at Tennessee going into his last year. Uh, he's gained a lot of maturity, gained a lot of experience. His time with Hendon Hooker, I think, has helped him understand what it takes to be a quarterback, not just playing the position, but being a quarterback and being – you know, the, the face of, of Tennessee athletics. Because when you're the quarterback at Tennessee, that's just the position that you're that you're in. Uh, so he's doing a good job there. Uh Tennessee offensive line wise, they gotta they gotta find some guys on the on the edge that can protect and fill in for Darnell Wright. And you gotta fill the Jerome Carvin hole. So you got John Campbell, who I think will be a pro guy, and then you're trying to figure out who you're gonna roll with. Um Will it be Joe Mincy again? Will it be Jeremiah Crawford? Uh, we'll see. But that's kind of what's going on with offensive line. That's the battle that was taking place during the spring with guys who are healthy, but it's hard to really take a, a lot from spring because half a team was not participating, it seems like. So we'll have a great, great idea of what's going on 
uh, fall camp going into last season. The offensive line was a big question, but the offensive line was the reason why this team took the big step that they did, quite frankly. They took a huge step because the offensive line is one of the best in the country. So uh, they're going to be key this upcoming season. For Ben McKee of Go Balls 247, I'm Jason Swain, live here from the Low Key Center Studio. Swain event is fueled by Dead End Barbecue. And the best thing you can do, listen, to support the show, go Dead End Barbecue, lock in with our good friend Jeff Morris, Low T Center, Hiller Plumbing, Heating, Cooling, and Electrical. That's the best thing you can do. Support our sponsors, support our support. Good to be back with you the first full week of the Swain event in the AM again. Tuesday, we'll have a lot to discuss. Tennessee, Kentucky, starting this weekend. We got to have a serious win. That sweep will be great, but it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard. Follow Ben McKee for all your baseball updates. Peace and love. We are out. <laughs>